Welcome to the Educated Hustle Podcast. This is your host, Paul Latvidar Jr. and my co-host, Amelia Porter. Before we get started, we want to remind our iTunes listeners, to all you Educated Hustle Podcast listeners, to go and review us on the iTunes Podcast app. If you can, just click the iTunes Podcast app, search the show, Educated Hustle, and there you can rate and review the show by just giving us five stars. It would be more preferable. Um, you know you love our gems. You love what we bring to the table every week. So hit us with the five stars. Give us that genuine review, and we will thank you so much with better guests and better shows for the future. So hit us up, Educated Hustle Podcast on iTunes. And now let's start the show. Emilio, what's going on, man? Oh, man. You, you, you cleaned that up at the end, man. I was worried about to drop the ball like Beckham, bro. <laughs> 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 it's good though it's all good i mean it's a good message so it always is fun to deliver it but i mean it's going good man we're 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 a fan we are going through the thick of 2017 it's crazy how like i just feel like we just celebrated the ball dropping and now it's like we're already almost through january like it's it's insane but it's a good insane but still it's 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 crazy i mean whoo i'm i i yeah, I'm speechless when I'm thinking about like how much life has progressed. But that aside, I'm gonna take my worries of life down just a notch to get back onto the show focus. But I mean, I think we have a good episode today, man. I think we got a little treat. I mean, it's it's not often that we do a little back to back. I think we had a we had an offer last week in seven, so of course we had to come back and give them another offer today. And our guest Trish, right? Yeah, man. Miss Trish Agel, she uh, blessed us with the show today, and she's coming on to promote her book, Chocolate Souffle. Um, and through the interview, you know, you'll get a sense of, you know, who Trish is, what the book is about, and why it's important that you guys go out and get it. Um, and I think it's amazing because, just to give you a little bit of background on the book, it's kind of it has that '80s '90s feel to it, and that's kind of where uh, our guest grew up in that era. Uh, she explains, you know, what's going on back then. She drops knowledge about, you know, Rodney King. Uh, that whole fiasco was in the book as well. Um, the the whole AIDS epidemic, dealing with that. Uh, imagine that being an everyday focus. Now we got, you know, we got preventative measures to to combat AIDS. But back then, they were wondering, you know, what they didn't even know what the disease was called at a long time, um, a little bit before, you know, the 90s started. So it definitely gives you a feel into history. If you're into looking into different eras, um, this book, you know, has it all for you. Um, so it's it's amazing to hear her story and her explain what's what's to, to look forward to in Chocolate Souffle. Exactly. And I think like, you know, as my co-host touched on, you're reading this this fiction novel but it's based and grounded in reality and i think the coolest part about it is, is like there's three main black characters in the novel you know two females one male and they're not a she's not afraid to show their vulnerability i think a lot of times when authors write their main characters they have to be the hero there's very little you know very little crinks in their armor just you know enough to keep interested but not enough to really explore who they are and she's not afraid to do that with these characters she's afraid to sh she's not afraid to show them at their darkest moments and what they're thinking and, and you know not to even dive into civil the books but you know each of those characters they, they're facing some trials tribulation and personal dilemmas that you know 
if we were to face might break us or maybe in some cases make us and i think one of the things that she said during interview that really stuck out with me that i really really enjoyed was the fact that she said that there's all these stories out now but there's no stories kind of reflecting what she knows and what she has grown up with so she said i'm gonna go out there and make these stories just to have out and i mean i think that's cool because i feel like everyone has seen the the cliche stories you know the, the 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 princess the hero or you know this that and that when it comes to fiction it's really in refreshing to to read some stories where you're dealing with something that's not talked about a lot you know where it's like my call saying dealing with the aids epidemic and the fear that came along with that or dealing with something that's having a sickle cell disease like you really don't yeah. see a lot of heroes with those vulnerabilities or characters with those vulnerabilities, you know, laid out in the open. And she just dashes that concept and lets it be known, like, hey, my character's a human, but they're also also vulnerable. So, I mean, I'm I'm getting excited just talking about it because I, I really enjoyed the interview and I think she did an amazing job. And she really did deliver a chocolate souffle to us. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even gonna try and uh, make a chocolate souffle. I know we was playing earlier, but uh, my skills in the kitchen ain't really a one. If you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> Man, you got to go to YouTube and get some milk and flour, bro. That, 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 that's how you that's how you cement it. <laughs> I'm afraid it'll blow up in my face, and uh, I gotta pay some cleaning bill or something. Oh man, well, you know, you know, it won't blow up in your paw's face. This interview with Miss Trish Hagel. All right, and today's guest is Miss Trish Agel. Trish, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Doing great. Um, Trish, we just wanted to jump right into it and talk about your book, Chocolate Souffle. And could you give us a little bit about it? Excellent. Yeah, so Chocolate Souffle is really the story of three New Yorkers. Um, it's set in the 80s and the 90s, so it's kind of a throwback to that time period. And the characters are in their 20s and 30s, so it's really that time of life when you're trying to figure out your career, you know, how to get your hustle on, and um, your relationships, you know, which direction your life is really going to go. Exactly. Wow. And I mean, I think the first question I got to ask is, why the title Chocolate Souffle? I mean, based on the description in the title of the book, it's like, where did, where did you come up with that idea? I know. It's funny. A lot of people ask me that question. So... This book was actually written during that time frame, and it has a lot of detail from the 80s and 90s. So at that time, we had something called Chocolate Singles, which was sort of like a dating service for African-American people. So the chocolate kind of came from that. And then for me, the souffle at the time was just something explosive, you know, so I thought I was going to write this exciting, explosive story about um, African-American middle class working folks uh, back in the day. Now, as the as the story progressed a little bit more, I was able to weave it into the storyline. So it really became more of a metaphor, um, really morphed into a symbol of reaching beyond your fears and being more vulnerable. And I say that because most, mostly nobody has made a chocolate souffle. <laughs> I'm guessing that you guys have no, not. I haven't. No, no, no that's not up in my list. Of don't get me in the kitchen. Yeah, don't get me in the kitchen. I don't know what I'm doing in there. And I haven't made one either. I actually looked it up in Urban Dictionary, and the definition was like, you know, this delicious, painstakingly created um, dessert that was also, you know, really difficult to make. So it became sort of a metaphor for our vulnerability, you know, for love, 
for putting yourself out there um, because you take a risk in order to do that. And I agree. I mean, I, I, I love the title. I love what that represents because that's kind of what we do on Educated Hustle. We, you know, we like to talk to people who take risk and go for what they love. So it's amazing to, to that you uh, put out a book that symbolizes that. And um, I also want to know, you know, where did you get the inspiration for, for writing the book? Well, you know, a lot of it was me just looking for stories that were similar to the way that I grew up. I grew up in Brooklyn, uh, first generation of a Caribbean American family. My dad is from Jamaica. My mom's from St. Lucia. And I really never saw my lifestyle on TV. You know, the people that I knew, they went to college and, you know, got jobs and were really trying to make it in the corporate world or the legal world or whatever. Um, and I just wasn't seeing those images, you know, and, and not to say that we don't want to see all of the images that are out there of us. Um, we do. But I, want, I felt like we needed more of a broader image, more of a balance. So... I was just inspired to write a story that was more similar to my lifestyle. Um, another big part for me was in my family, I have two sisters with sickle cell anemia. So one of my main characters has sickle cell anemia. And that again was something I had, I still have never seen, you know, um, we know T-Boz from TLC, right? Mm -hmm. But I've never sure. seen a character in a movie or TV show or a, a novel dealing with that illness. And I don't know if you know much about sickle cell at all. Very little, but you know, I'm sure you can, you can explain to the audience who doesn't know either. Yeah, so, so sickle cell is, um, it's a blood disease. Really your blood, instead of being, you know, the, the blood cells being round, they're shaped like sickles, which are kind of like crescent moons. So they tend to get, you know, clotted and cause a lot of pain. Um, but the thing is, it's a disease that's primarily in the African-American community. Mm -hmm. So it's not really a mainstream um, problem. So, of course, you know, with that, I guess you have all of the, the issues that would go along with that lack of research, lack of funding, those kind of things and, and lack of even, you know, knowledge around it. So I, I wanted to bring that to the forefront as well. Yes. And I mean, that's a great thing to bring to the forefront. I know. You know, with, even when in my family, that has definitely been some health scares related to that. And I kind of want to ask, I mean, when you when you wrote the character in the book that has it, you know, you made her to where she's tall, dark and beautiful. Yet she has this disease that really makes her vulnerable. How how are you kind of able to to portray that vulnerability in the novel while at the same time, I guess, trying to also portray her strength of being able to say, you know, she's, she's tall, dark, beautiful, and has the attention of so many men while, you know, fostering this disease. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's interesting because in her situation, she's dealing with this disease. Right. Uh, but I think all of us have internal struggles, right? It may not be that it could be, you know, we didn't think we got the love we wanted from our father, or it could be, we grew up in poverty. Um, it could be, we don't think we got the education we should have gotten, or we, maybe we don't think that we're beautiful, you know? Um, so while I was putting the disease in the character, um, I think it was very relatable because we all kind of have little insecurities and secrets, um, that we have to kind of work through. Okay. And that's perfect. And, um, I also wanted to get your, your, your background, you know, growing up in the 80s and 90s, 
Um, could you kind of differentiate that time as opposed to uh, this time now, as far as you know, urban culture and all the pop culture events going on ar- around us? Yeah, you know, it's um, for people who've lived through that time. This book is a fun throwback. You know, before we had internet and um, gosh, real cell phone service. Um, <laughs> but some of the things I've ref- referenced back then are some of the clubs in the day, back in the day. Um, okay. and, and there have been some, I think they did something recently on um, Unsung with Frankie Knuckles, talking about the house music, um, the insurgence of house music. So one of the things referenced in the book is the club, which was the Paradise Garage, which was a huge underground nightclub at that time. Back in those days, you know, we could stay at the club till 8 a.m., take a shower and go to work. Clubs don't stay open that long anymore. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a different lifestyle. You know, I could even say I've been at the club till noon, which is crazy. Um, but there That's were... That's crazy. There, <laughs> 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 can't say that nowadays. Yeah, no, you can't. But, you know, they had rules around that where the club itself wasn't serving liquor, which I learned recently, which is why they were able to do that. But of course, you know, people brought what they wanted. Um, but yeah, so some of the club life, you know, um, whether it was house music or um, dance hall music, um, of course, you know, that's the the beginning of hip hop, you know, started in those times. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a throwback to a fun time. What's interesting for, you know, ladies who may pick up this book is the clothing, you know, the fashion. There's a lot of fashion in the book. Um, and, you know, back in those days, it was neon. <laughs> Just colors that people don't wear anymore, you know? So when I look <laughs> I at it... I feel like, like it's wow. kind of coming back, though. I feel like people are bringing back some crazy colors nowadays. Well, you know, they say, and my mom used to always tell me, you know, that fashion goes um, in cycles. And at the time I was so young, I was like, yeah, mom, you know, you never think your mom knows what she's talking about, Mm -hmm. but you're right. You know, and when I look back on like pictures from those times, like, my God, I had a purple suit. I had a lime suit. Like, did I really, (laughs) did we really wear that stuff? Um, Yeah. So it's, it's a fun throwback to that time, you know, time before all of this technology where you really had to get out and meet people in person. What's that? (laughs) <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, you had to school. actually, mm-hmm. You had to actually go meet people in person. Um, you know, before all the the big changes that we've seen since then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think one of the, I mean, it's cool because you mentioned fashion comes in cycles. I, I think one of the, the interesting things about your book is it's set in the '90s and. You, but a lot of the problems that your characters face, I mean, there's still mainstay problems and dilemmas that people face now. So, I mean, how does it, I mean, I guess, how do you feel knowing that, like, even back then, people are kind of still dealing with the same things they deal with now? And how did you kind of use that as a motivation to get the book out? Well, you know, it's interesting because part of what I cover in the book is the Rodney King beating. You know, mm. my characters are, you know, all kind of experience that together and, are not sure how to, you know, it's such a punch in the stomach. You don't know where to go from there. And then here we are, you know, it's 20 years later and it's the same things, you know, we're experiencing the same things um, more visibly because now we have the technology. So we see it all the time. 
Whereas Rodney King was really the first time that somebody had, you know, dashboard cam to pick those things up. So, yeah, you know, even though it's a book from, you know, set 20 years ago, the things that the characters are dealing with are the same things that people deal with, you know, um, trying to figure out where their place is in the world, you know, trying to deal with their internal struggles. Um, And then some of the things that pop up as far as content you know, domestic violence or um, HIV, you know, those are things that are still issues and will probably still be issues 20 years from now. Yeah. And I wanted to also know, maybe, you know, since you wrote the book, I wanted to know, is there a certain parallel to your life that you kind of looked back into? And I guess I want to ask, how close is the book tied to your life growing up at that time? Um, well, I'm not any of my actual characters. You know, my characters are all out of my imagination. Um, but the fact that there were two Caribbean parents, they're in a brownstone in Brooklyn, those things were similar to the way that I grew up. Um, you know, I, I did use a character with sickle cell, um, just because I was so close to that disease, you know, it was really familiar to me and something I wanted to put out there. Um, but no, I have to say, my disclaimer is that I am not, <laughs> I'm not any of those characters. So don't start reading and say, mm-hmm, Trish, I know. <laughs> get the emails. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But this is what you thought of me. <laughs> and, you know, part, part of the fun that I was having with the book, I, I kind of wanted to fill in a space where I didn't see as far as genres were concerned. So, you know, it's a romantic drama, but it also has some um, adult scenes in there. So, you know, it's kind of 18 and over because I, I think that we should be able to embrace who we are, right, from all of those channels and not have to be categorized like, you know, this is only comedy or this is um, only drama or this is only erotica, you know? Um, so it's not erotica. Don't get excited too much, but... <laughs> <laughs> You already feel the cells increasing. (laughs) But I I wanted it to be a little bit more than, you know, this beautiful couple walks into a room and closes the door. You know, I wanted to give a little bit more of a peek into what was going on because that's part of our personalities. You know, our sexuality is part of our personalities. It's part of um, the holistic view of who we are. No, I agree. Oftentimes those uh, topics of sex and uh, are often taboo, but it's always refreshing to, you know, see someone give their perspective on on sex because I mean, we all do it. It's it's just weird that we do it, but it's kind of awkward to talk about it. Yeah. That's just yeah, weird, so, so yeah. So I like to think of it as a little genre bending, you know, but definitely having the elements of drama and romance. Well, I mean, I think that's the cool part when it when it comes to chocolate play is you know like you said earlier you didn't feel like there was stories that were related to you being put out and you decide hey I'm gonna make my own story that kind of relates and goes through stuff I want to read about I mean it takes a lot of determination and a lot of just you know focus to actually make a book and make it actually come out and I'm sure there's other people listening who have these ideas to make their stories and. I just kind of want to ask, you know, on behalf of them, like, what was your what was your motivation to not only get the book out, but also keep yourself going when I'm sure you faced a lot of, you know, hurdles and obstacles along the way? Huh. Um, 
You know, it's funny. I've always seen myself as a writer. Uh, but, you know, back to that Caribbean family, that was not a career option in my home. <laughs> It was, it was like, a doctor you know, or a lawyer, huh? Exactly. It's like you can be a doctor or a lawyer or a business person, whatever that was. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I've always written. And um, I guess the big change is technology because there was a time when we couldn't publish books. You know, we had to go to the powers that be and convince them that our story was worthy when typically the powers that be didn't understand our story. Or didn't even believe it existed, you know, which was kind of my experience. It was like, no, you know, black folks don't live like this, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you're making that up. Like kind of like when Cosby show came out, you know, and there was this kind of uproar like this is unrealistic. Um, um, yeah. So I, I think the, the biggest thing for me was being able to take control of the technology. Um, and part of that happened just, you know, th- through some folks that I met out here in Atlanta that kind of brought that to my attention. And then from there, I'm just the kind of person where I can't just say no to something. You know what I mean? Like if I didn't put it out there, then I would have to spend the rest of my life wondering what would have happened if I had tried, you know? So I'm one of those people who's like, I've been skydiving and hang gliding and, you know, all those kinds of crazy things. Cause I have to at least do it. And then, you know, if I don't like it, then, okay, well then at least, <laughs> at least I did it, you know? Um, but this has been a, a fantastic experience for me, um, getting it out there. You know, it was a book that my mother had the opportunity to read, and she's been gone for about five years now. You know, so part of my oh, dedication wow. is, is to my mom. Um, and part of my cover art is um, actually a flower for my mom's garden. You know, so it was all kind of woven together, and I feel like just the right timing. No, I think it's, I'm sorry, no. I was just going to say, I think the book is more interesting now than it would have been 20 years ago. I think so, too, because a lot of people are yearning for that that culture in the, um, from the 80s and 90s. Um, I know for myself, that's often a, a time that I go back to when I'm you know, looking at movies like mm-hmm. um, House Party, Boys in the Hood. Like mm-hmm. it's all it, it, it seems like it was like a, a time of black excellence that was, was highly celebrated. Um, and it's it's really cool to go back and look at movies that happened before I was born or or happened during the you know the time of my childhood. Yeah, there's a scene in there where they're gonna go see Hollywood Shuffle, you know, and they're so excited because it's a black director, you know, like things that we don't um, think about so much anymore. When Spike Lee was just coming out, you know, um, when all our hip hop artists were just getting started. Yeah, so it really was the advent of a lot of uh, legendary black culture. Exactly, and I think that's one of the cool things that you're able to bring with it when you, with a book like this. So, I mean, just there's always a a myriad of questions you want to ask authors that come on, but I think one of the things that I want to ask you is, I know on your website you taught that you're actually writing a young adult book. Could you, if anything, just I guess kind of tell us like what can listeners expect? And maybe how how has your lessons you learned from Chocolate Zafé Souffle helped you in making and writing this new book that you're trying to do? Right. So for me, anything that I write has to be personal, right? Because it's a big undertaking. So you have to be really passionate and excited to actually sit down and write. You know, Chocolate Souffle is like a 400 page book, right? Um, 
So the project that I'm working on now, I have a 16-year-old daughter who's been instructed that she cannot look at chocolate souffle. <laughs> <laughs> she the she's <laughs> That erotica <laughs> right there, tell you. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of things I'd have to like go over with the black Sharpie before she could read it. You know she um, probably was looking at it at nighttime, like, you know what, I'm going to sneak and read my mama's book. You know, you would think that, but it's so creepy for her to even think that I wrote anything sexual. She just doesn't want to have anything to do with it. So <laughs> I can she, believe that. I, I, I mean, I think about it. That. It's like, you know, like, you know, your parents had to do something to have you, but you just can't even process that at that age. Um, so, so that's part of, I guess, why I wanted to go in that direction. And also because watching her, I have a really good kind of finger on the pulse of what's going on with this younger generation um and a young adult book is something that's more open you know that anybody can read and enjoy um but what i tell my friends when i say that is you know when you think young adult don't think you know barney right (laughs) think like Mm -hmm. the hunger games you know some of these big stories that we all enjoy um and this project that i'm working at it it's a big story as well. It's a big story. Um, and it'll incorporate some things that are in my life now that were not many years ago. Um, one of the, one of the bigger things I guess is that I've been vegan for the past few years. Um, and in chocolate souffle, they are eating every kind of animal that they can get their hands on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all the oxtails and curry goat and whatever. Oh, so, yes, yes, my yeah. favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, so this is allows me to, you know, incorporate some new pieces of my lifestyle in there. Um, and also, you know, say important things that I want to say to a younger and a broader audience. Because while I describe chocolate souffle as a romantic drama, you know, if you look at it, or even, you know, there's discussion questions in the back, it touches on a lot of social issues. So it's more than just, or at least it can be, depending how far you want to take it. It has a potential to be much more than just a beach read, you know? It's definitely got social issues in there. And even, um, you know, we go so far as to have a call to action. Um, and I would like it to grow to be more of um, a little bit more organization in there and more of a call to action. Because we sure need it. We need it yeah, now. Yeah, for With sure. What's going, on? What's, what's going on around here now? <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's crazy. But also, yeah, if you could maybe drop some, maybe one or two discussion questions that um, are in the book that you wouldn't mind sharing on the on the air. Let's see what I have here. Um, Well, I'm going to read this one. This isn't a discussion question, but I'll throw this out here. Um, So I actually penned a uh, or coined a name for fans of the book, Coco Risers. Okay. Coco Riser. Get it? (laughs) I see what you said. I see what you did there. It took me a little while, but I get it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... A Coco Riser is a fan of chocolate souffle who acknowledges she is sexy, funny, smart, and so much more, and also wants to improve the global condition by working in community to reach common goals for our men, our children, our neighborhoods, and ourselves. And sorry, that was a little sexist because I didn't include the guys so much in there. You know, we we, we, we visualize. (laughs) (laughs) 
know you guys don't read novels that much. Um, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I mean, I do my best to read. I know it's, it's, it's not a high percentage, so I just not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> um, and actually, in Atlanta, I run a a, a book club called Coco Risers Reading, which is kind of cool. But I'll give you the first discussion question because I think this is kind of interesting. So it says, could you relate to Eddie's desire to have a family history different from his reality? And what do you think about his realization that if his history were different, he would have a different life, not necessarily a better one? And I'll just kind of explain that a little bit. Because I think a lot of times we think, man, I wish, you know, I had a stay-at-home mom. Or, man, Mm -hmm. I wish, you know, I grew up in the suburbs, you know. Or I should have been in Paris, then I could speak French. You know, whatever your thing is <laughs> that you think you didn't get, I should have been an only child, you know. So in in this scenario, this character, you know, his parents are divorced. He's from the Bahamas. So his mom stays behind in the Bahamas, and he comes to the U.S. with his father. And he's always kind of thinking, you know, man, he wanted, he wishes they had stayed together. Uh, but then he realizes, well, if they stayed together, he would have never probably come to the U.S. Right. You know, so. Um, yeah, I think just, that's a that's a good topic to 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 get on, because, um, you know, people do wish for a better life or wish for things. But I think uh, the some of the struggles that we, we go in with our personal lives actually make us better and make us the people that we are today. So it's kind of almost um, almost hard to to even rationalize wishing for things because we are who we are and and that's not going to change. And, and we just got to keep moving forward and, and learn from what our past uh, dealt us. And some of those little, um, you know, mistakes or quirks or um, things you wish hadn't happened are the things that make us interesting. You know, they're the things that make life interesting. They say, you know, your beauty is not in perfection. Your beauty is really in the blemishes. That's true. You you are you are because of how your life is, and it's easy to go back and wish that things happened differently. But you know, you never know what what that different thing that that made you who you were, and it's easy to kind of overlook everything and realize you would have missed out on something very important. Like you know, for instance, me, I, I you know, if I I had opportunity to, to take a different job, that I would be in a whole different place than I am now, and because of that, I wouldn't be able to have the blessings that I have now. So. It's really easy to kind of go back and wish, but I think people have to always stay focused and be grateful for what they have now because, like, I'm sure your character, Eddie, realized if he were to have the life that he envisioned, he wouldn't recognize who he was because he wouldn't at all be the same person. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge difference. That's a totally different life, you know, life on a small island versus coming to the big city. Mm-hmm. And in his case, he pursued a modeling career. Good, good. Okay, okay. What's the second one, what's the second discussion question? Yeah, this was this is good. Let me see. Uh, I'm trying to figure out if I like the second one. <laughs> uh, I understand. You want to go with one you definitely like. Well, yeah, I'll give you this one. Um, so this is a quote. Uh, this and this is referencing urban pro- urban projects, right? So too many damn people in one place piled on top of each other like so much cattle with guns and drugs sprinkled on top and poverty fencing them in. And I guess the question was, you know, have you experienced the urban projects and do you agree with 
Eddie's assessment of them. You know, do you know anyone who's escaped the projects? How do they do it? I, yeah, and I think with that, it's um, it sounds it sounds like he's he's frustrated with the surroundings, um, but it's one of those like he can't really do anything about it type thing. Well, he in this case he wasn't living in the projects. He was just kind of assessing. You know, okay. he was he was working with um, Big Brothers. You know, so he was a big brother to this other character in the book. You know, Big Brothers, okay. Big Sisters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that was just kind of the assessment of the projects, which uh, which is interesting. As I've learned, they were not meant to be permanent living places. Mm-hmm. They were supposed to be kind of trans- transitory. You know, you live there until you kind of got on your feet and then you went someplace else. Um, but and, and I don't know what projects are like or if they even really exist outside of. Well, I guess they do. Okay. I'm thinking of New York projects, big, you know, skyscrapers, because that's what I'm familiar with. Um, They probably have that in Chicago and Jersey, but not necessarily like in Florida, you know what I mean? Or California. Um, Yeah. Um, Miami is different. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, It's it's not as tall. Yeah. It's not tall buildings, but you know where the projects are. Yeah. 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 Section 8 houses and fun stuff. But, um, mm-hmm. I mean, I I would say for that one, I mean, it it that it, that is a good assessment. But a lot of times, it's not easy to just kind of decide you want out because most of the time, if you're living in the projects, your whole life is in it, and people are, you know, people are can look up to to TV role models, but some people they have to look at the people that are actually in their project doing stuff, and that person could be, you know, a, a drug dealer or doing something illegal but he's getting a lot of money from it and it becomes kind of like that cycle repeats itself because if that's who you're looking up to that's who you're aspiring to be you're going to go down that course and it's kind of hard to break that mold especially when people who do break that mold and they want to be smart or do something you have people from the projects that tell them you're stupid for one and that you can't ever do that yeah you get caught yeah. in that never-ending and i mean it's, it's heartbreaking but you know it, it really does take a, a really strong support system because sometimes the parents can't help people out because they're just working to make ends meet just to stay in the projects. And, you know, it, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it, it is. It's definitely a cycle. You know, there's a whole culture um, around that. You know, I was talking to one of my friends the other day because I grew up at a time. I don't know if people do this anymore, but people used to call me a brainiac. And it was not a good thing. <laughs> you know? They replaced like, the words like, with newer things. But yeah, it's, like, it's like being smart was bad. Now, if I said that to my daughter, she'd be like, are you serious right now? You know, her aspiration is to be smart and get a good job and all that kind of thing. But, you know, where I grew up, it was kind of like, oh, you know, you're too smart. Like, how is that a bad thing? Um, but I'm going to give you one more because I kind of like this one. Okay. So this was uh, one of my characters, dad, and he was giving his everybody hates everybody speech. (laughs) (laughs) So his his quote was, um, we all hate because our hate is part of our fear and we fear what we don't know. And, you know, in his talk, he goes on to talk about how, you know, the blacks hate the Jews and the Jews hate the Indians and the Indians hate the Puerto Rican. You know, however it is, you know, it's a little longer speech that he gave. But the essence was, um, we all hate because our hate is part of our fear and we fear what we don't know. And then the question, kind of the discussion question was, how do you think this relates to current issues like gay marriage and terrorism? And, you know, I mean, before, yeah, we get into all that, before we get into all that, let's, let's, 
we gotta give a little, you know, little uh, motivation because I like the question of where that stemmed from. That's, I mean, if, if the novel touches on stuff like that, then it's it's definitely definitely a good worthwhile read. But I'm, I'm gonna let my, I'm gonna let my co-host go ahead and jump in. <laughs> <laughs> No, you got your say. boots? You got your boots on? <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be ready. I, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. Um, no, that's real deep. And I, I, I forgot where I was listening to. I listened to a whole bunch of stuff. And um, the basically what the premise was is, you know, you like you said, you hate what you don't know out of fear. But say, you know, say like for me, if I walk up to um, a Trump supporter and have a conversation. They might think differently of, you know, what they thought of me before based on, you know, what I look, what I represent. Um, But I feel like if any two people from any different walks of life um, get together and share an experience, it really opens up um, your mind. And that's why people love to travel. That's why people, you know, love to see other things because their horizons get broadened and 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 really um, expands their mind and expands their vocabulary and expands their experiences so that when they do see other people that don't look like them, they can relate somewhat to what experience they went through. Yeah. Now, have you ever experienced anybody who travels without really traveling? You know, what do you mean about that? And and, and I will give you an (laughs) like in photos. (laughs) No, no, no. You in Dubai? We all in Dubai. (laughs) (laughs) No. So when I was in college, I had the opportunity to go to Asia. We went to Japan and Hong Kong, and I went with one girl. Where the only thing she wanted to eat in Asia was Kentucky Fried Chicken and McDonald's. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you can be someplace else. But it's like you're trying to take your country with you instead of experiencing the culture where you are. And, you know, sometimes we can be guilty of those things when we go to like these all inclusive resorts and we never leave them. It's like, did you really travel? You know, some people, some people don't have the stomach for um, other foods. Like, I don't know. Some people are just scared to, to really dive into a culture. Well, that's just that. Example, but I use the um, all-inclusive resort as an example too. Where it may not be about the food, it may just you kind of want to be in your safety bubble, True. you know, and maybe not necessarily. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know. Um, but hopefully, it would be in conjunction with doing other things where you learn and you actually experience another culture, and not just maybe visit their beach, you know. Right. It, that's what I was going to like um, when I go on cruises. Um, and it's funny you mentioned Bahamas because uh, half of my family is from the Bahamas as well. So oh, okay. like when you go, yeah when you go on the cruise right and and you get you get off at Nassau they have like the the tourist area of Nassau and right. you really gotta get beyond that part you know to to experience what what Nassau is about what the Bahamas is about because that kind of tourist part is is like Americanized. Um, so you really got to see beyond what's what's just in front of you and what makes you comfortable. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my character is actually from Abaco. Yeah. I seen that. I seen that. And I was like, Oh yeah. Nice. I see. <laughs> I see the relation. I see the relation. Trish, you've been a, a blessing to have. I think you've just been phenomenal. Before we, before we, you know, let you go, we got to hit you with a two piece. So the famous two piece educate hustle. Um, it's how we end all of our interviews. So the first question Pretty easy, pretty standard. How can our listeners reach you? Oh, um, yes, yeah, so I'm easy to find because my name is kind of weird. So it's Trish. My last name is Ajel, A-H-J-E-L. 
And you can find me, trishagel.com, or you can find me Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's all Trish Agel. Seamless. Gotta love that. <laughs> <laughs> and now the last one, you know, take your time. No pressure. No, 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 no impending doom. It's just, you know, the last <laughs> I'm question. I'm scared already. But okay. What would be your parting words to our audience today? Huh. Um, you can hear the you can hear the the engine just running. I know you hear it. <laughs> um, I think that you don't have to choose one thing or one path that you can uh, live up to your full potential, and you don't have to dumb yourself down for anybody, intellectually, creatively, athletically, sexually. You know, not in any way. Um, but really, you can give yourself room to explore. I say that because, you know, I'm a writer, but writing's not the only thing that I do or that I enjoy. And I like the idea of, you know, the Renaissance man or the Renaissance woman, where you could be a writer or artist or a scientist. You can be sexy, funny, smart. You know, you can have this whole um, developed best you and put that out there. Woo! 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 I like that. You even got an extra one just for the dramatic, yeah, effect. That? dramatic effect. You got an extra one. See? That's how much our mind was. I appreciate that because, I mean, I think that's, that's, that's the gospel right there. Like, people need to learn. You don't have to be put in a box. You can be anything you want to be and don't right. let people limit on what you can be. So, I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, Trish, you've kind of like, done it all you've blown our minds i mean we just are so thankful to have you on and once again people chocolate souffle is out now please 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 go out there buy it read it yes and i'm and and i was gonna say yes i'm on amazon and barnesandnoble.com so you have no excuse here in atlanta (laughs) (laughs) no excuse right you got that prom you have it in two days exactly like she can have (laughs) multiple reviews just after you listen to the tv so um, yeah we're just we're just proud to have you on and we're so thankful thank you so much it was my pleasure it's great talking to you guys and there you have it folks that's Miss Trish Agel giving us a little chocolate souffle in our life. Emilio, what you think, man? Oh man, I just I put on the chef hat and started cooking when you were saying that. <laughs> but <laughs> like that meme, like that meme when, it, when he dropping the salt on there, <laughs> sprinkling. <laughs> nah, I was thinking more James Harden after the shot, just. <laughs> but no, uh, it it was it was amazing. It was it was really good. I I really enjoyed her because you know she she takes such. She, she was able to craft such prominent tells and, you know, our community that really don't go that, you know, aren't told. I mean, there's there's not a lot of way. There's not a lot of books that I know where you can read about a womanizer kind of thinking about his life or this strong female character who's harboring like this, this vulnerable disease. And then it, it's even more grounded because even though it's a fiction book, it's 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 layered in reality. So, I mean, I'm excited to to read it for myself and for our listeners to get their hands on it because I think just that concept alone is such a great job and I we need more people to 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 take the stand and tell stories like that because you know 
I think you know the stories are getting now. They're not necessarily bad, but you've seen them. You're done on. Let's 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 spice it up. Let's add something new. Let's add a new dynamic to it. I'm I'm glad Trish has decided. Hey, I'm gonna do my part to get my voice and my vision out there. Yeah, for sure. And um, I think she's in a like she says in the interview. She's in a space that isn't really taken by a lot of uh, authors nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people writing fiction now at times are are going more into the fantasy realm. You know, more of the, um, you know, where you can kind of craft your imagination a little bit more. But, you know, her book is kind of taking you um, back to a time where, you know, people were uh, more, I guess, you know, more free to do things without, you know, worrying about social media, worrying about Internet, being on their phones. Uh, So it's definitely a time period where I think, you know, most of our listeners would want to kind of revisit and see it through. Uh, her eyes and see how the social life was through her book. So, you know, I hope you guys pick it up. Uh, and if you do, definitely let us know. No internet, no social media. I think that's the true fantasy world right there, co-host. <laughs> <laughs> but what's that, man? Alas, alas. Let's, let's, let's go from that fantasy fiction to some reality in how you, yes, you, can reach us. Educate Hustle can be reached through a variety of different means on social media. We are on Snapchat at Educate Hustle. That's all one word, Educate Hustle. There you post snaps, little videos, behind the scenes things to let you know how we're doing throughout the week and to get you motivated. We are also on Instagram at Educate Hustle Podcast. Once again, that is Educated Hustle Podcast. There we post images, you know, just to help you know about the episode that was dropped this week and some inspirational guidelines and tips to help you progress further throughout the week we are also on facebook at educated hustle that's two words educated hustle go and like our page you know you've reached the right page because you'll see that logo that you all know and love and now i gotta take a break from plugging to do even more plugging if you can and you have not done it yet please 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 review us on itunes it's such a simple and easy process go to the itunes podcast on your phone your app your media devices whatever Search for Educate Hustle, find our show, and then after you do that, just hit write a review. Leave us as many stars as you believe we deserve, but we all know it, we're five. It's like Dylon, five, 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 five. So, <laughs> please help us out in that regard because you gain us more awareness, you gain us more fans, and you gain us better guests. So once we have all three of those things combined, you get a better show. So if you have not already, please, please, please leave a review. Anyways, the and that plugging, and then go back into even more plugging. We are on Twitter at Educated Hustle. Sorry, Educated underscore Hustle. Once again, that is Educated underscore Hustle. There we do tweets, little interaction things. It's probably the best way to reach us because it goes right to our phone and we'll respond to you quick, quick, <laughs> as they say. And last but not least, if you can, please, please, please. Let us know how we're doing. Let us know about that emotional feedback provider. Let us know if you want to collab or be on the show. You can email us at educatorhustlepodcast at gmail.com. Once again, that is educatorhustlepodcast at gmail.com. Yes, sir. And as always, you know you got to lead us out, bro. I think we're at the moment now where if you you have your you know new year new me mode, but some of us, nailing myself, you have to think, okay, what am I gonna do this year? What am I gonna do with this 365 days? And you have to kind of sit down and discuss which opportunities and your 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 advantages are. And it's scary at first, but then you get to realize, you know what, you got this. You can make it happen. So my 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 feel good advice for the week is go out there 
and think about what do you want to really do this year. It's still early enough to where if you don't have a concrete idea yet, you have time to think about it because you want to really make this year different than any other year that you've been before. I mean, I think that's the goal of everyone to progress and grow. So really take the time now to think, how are you going to make this year different? I mean, me and my co-hosts have a different ideas already that we're going to do, but we want to hear what you guys are going to do and we want to see you do them. So please, please, please go out there and achieve. And as always, you got to stay educated and keep hustling.